0: This podcast is offered by Jikoji Zen Center, on the web at
1: jikoji.org. Our programs are made possible by donations from people like you.
0: Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Jikoji Sunday program on this uh, warm day, and our air is a little cleaner, and I hope that's the case for everyone here. Um, what a uh, Uncomfortable several weeks we've had. Um, today we're honored to have Shishin Ben Myers give our talk. He's been connected here with Jacoji for many years and spent many years studying with Jana Draka Roshi, who passed away about three years ago. And Jana was a a resident here at Chikoji for a few years, and we value her time here. Um, uh, Ben lives in the South Bay or Middle Bay, West Bay, and uh, is a a crucial part of a Sangha, uh, the Sangha Zenke Sangha, which Jana Drakas started in memory of Zen K. Blanche Hartman, her teacher. And um, it's uh, a group based in San Francisco that uh, does work with um, many disadvantaged peoples up there and around. So um, uh, we're very grateful, Ben, that you're willing to give our talk today. And so welcome.
2: Thank you. Um, so I wrote down all this, (laughs) all this stuff because I'm terrible at remembering things and actually I'm terrible at almost everything I know of, but I'm perfect for that. Um, anyway, I wanted to start up by saying that I wanted to honor and remember Reverend John Draka. Roshi and thank my teacher Doug Jacobson. Um, So, I am not equipped to dictate, but I love to question. So, after this, I invite comments that we can all discuss. So, this started because a uh, few weeks ago, Jukoji was reading and discussing Pema Shodron's book, Becoming Bodhisattvas. And I made an offended comment that the book was becoming to, or beginning to feel very religious. Um, and of course, Buddhism is. Arguably a religious practice, but I feel ultimately it's uh, spiritual by nature. So, what sparked the comment for me was that the text was being referred to by a section such as 5 4, which I associate with Christianity. The specifically in the Bible when it says statements like in the book of Job page 19 verse 13 it says dot 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 I don't even know if that's really a um, reference but if it is I apologize <laughs> um, so Instead of that, I do feel I like to read uh, fictional stories. So, knowing that it would be whatever telling I read will be different from everyone else's. For example, one set of of the Japanese <laughs> army, army was engaged in a sham battle and some of the offers, officers found it necessary to make their headquarters in Gasan, who was a teacher, his temple. Gasan told the cook, let the officers have only the same simple fare we eat. This made the general of the men angry, as he was used to very deferential treatment. And he came to the Ghassan and said, Who do you think we are? We're soldiers sacrificing our loves for our country. Why don't you treat us accordingly? Ghassan answered sternly. Who do you think we are? We are soldiers of humanity, of all sentient beings. There are over a hundred thousand million interpretations (laughs) of of and in the uh, world. Um, At least one for every different person. We all interpret each word in a major religions holy text differently. So we create a new religion each moment. When this Psalms or stories or morals or what have you, of each religion are quoted as evidence they can just as easily be understood by somebody else as the opposite meaning. Many will say that there are only a, less than a dozen major religions such as Islam, or Judaism, or Christianity, or Buddhism, and of course, or Hinduism. <laughs> Each person creates their own religion out of their major source religion. To say one way is superior to another or to, or as in the previous story, when Gassan says that to the general that his monks are practicing a proper way is missing the point entirely that each and every religion is a mere is merely better, I mean, sorry, different from every other one and should be recognized as such. This is all to say that delusions are inexhaustible. It is easy as some religions They've done to differentiate between black and white, heaven and hell, good and bad, as can be seen in this story. I want to know about heaven and hell, said a samurai visiting a monk, a Do they really exist? the soldier asked. Hakuin looked at the soldier and asked, "Who are you?" "I am a samurai," said the soldier. "Ha! You a samurai? You are so brutish, stupid, and um, and foolish." That you cannot understand my insightful comments. Go away and do not waste my time anymore with your questions. Hakuin said, waving his hand to drive away the samurai. This enraged the samurai and he couldn't take, it, take Hakuin's comments. He drew his sword ready to kill when Hakuin calmly retorted this is hell. The soldier was taken aback his face softened and his posture softened as well and he sheathed his sword. The Hakuin uh responded and so open the gate to heaven. Welcome to heaven. Because we constantly hear in our society that we should choose between good and bad that lead to heaven or hell. I find myself personally losing sight of all that all that at least in this reality heaven is not true heaven without hell to compare it to, and hell is not true hell without heaven to. If all you know is the pain in the fires, fires of hell, what is to stop that from becoming enjoyable? If you were experiencing heaven by laying on fluffy clouds, how do you know? that it is enjoyable here on earth we we cannot lie in bed all the time without experiencing bed sores eventually so maybe in heaven we would start experiencing cloud sores and maybe those are lightning bolts <laughs> um <laughs> So anyway, maybe we should not be looking towards our heaven or hell, but making our current existence more enjoyable for us. Addressing the current circumstances, we don't always appreciate how nice it is to breathe clean air without the contrast of the, all the fires that are raging in the West Coast, which affect all the numberless beings. I wanted to tell one last story. It's an offhanded little tale, like my earlier comment. And I feel it emphasizes ineffability (laughs) (laughs) or the emptiness of how we experience and what we quote unquote know an emperor asks an old Zen master what happens to us in in heaven after after death to the enlightened man. The master replied, I do not know. But you're a Zen master, exclaimed the shocked emperor. Not a dead one, said the old master. Thank you, and may peace and long life and health be your experience. And I'm done.
0: (laughs) Thank you, Ben. Uh, I want to uh, um, appreciate that we are warriors of humility. That's, that's something to really spend some time thinking about. Uh, it's one thing to feel humble, but to be a warrior about it is a whole nother thing. So really thank you for your wonderful talk.
3: Hi, Ben. Um, Thank you so much for your talk. Um, uh, Where I am right now, um, it's very, very smoky today and very red in the sky. And um, when I went out this morning, I my first thought was about, you know, how hard it is for me to breathe and then i thought about what i'm breathing what i'm breathing is thousands upon thousands of trees burning what i'm breathing is countless animals that are suffering and dying what i'm breathing is people's homes and dreams going up in smoke What I'm breathing is people that have died in this and like so many things that perspective and that's what I got out of what you were talking about today that's the perspective that we as Buddhists should have and um, realize that we're all together and we have to support one another. And there is no separation from others, the suffering of others and ourselves. We have to, we have to expand our consciousness to encompass it all and take it all in. Thank you so much, Ben. I really enjoyed your talk. It was very meaningful to me. Thank you.
0: Aubrey has a comment.
1: Hi, Um, thank you so much for your talk. And
4: I was curious what you think about the more religious aspects of Buddhism versus the the aspects that you might think of more philosophically and and spiritually.
2: Um, Do you have any particular uh, religious pieces in mind? I grew I grew up with that religion, so I don't know too much. I'm sorry.
1: Okay. I don't
2: either, so <laughs> <laughs> Great. Yay. All right, we can all do things together. Um let's so yeah. Uh I don't feel that there are a lot of super religious parts of Buddhism I do see that there's um, and by religious um, I guess it's not super like confrontational there's no its they don't it doesn't feel like there's huge institutions that say this is the way, do this and be saved, Um, which I feel like happens a lot with uh, other, other institutions, other religions. Um, Yeah, I don't know, nothing springs to mind. Does anybody have uh, any observations that they'd like to share?
5: Hi, Ben. Uh, I have a small observation about just the last question that you said, but first, I wanna thank you for your, like, uh, I don't know what word to use. Uh, very wonderful, wondrous, penetrating Dharma talk. You have so much, uh, you have such a wonderful sense of humor and such a wonderful, insightful, different way of looking at things. I've seen it multiple times. I think we all <laughs> have seen it multiple times. So I just want to say like, you're such a, um, uh, inspiration. Um, like, uh, you know, I don't have your, uh, vast mind to look at things in multiple ways. So I would just, or in an offbeat way, the way you look at things, you know, <laughs> um, but penetrating. Uh, I just want to say one thing, couple things, you know, one about Buddhism and religion. I don't feel it's completely true that uh Buddhism doesn't uh, do some of the same things that other religions don't do do. Like my original religion Islam, which is known for in the West for violence and uh good and bad, but it's not the only one because Buddhists in the in East Asia also are massacring Buddhist monks are massacring Muslims in uh, so, no human is, I feel like no human is beyond this, you know, um, I don't know what to, fanaticism. So, which is induced by, you know, conceptualizing and concretizing religion. But I would I would say, you know, I just want to, I mean, just a small aspect of, I was just responding to your last, last thing and as an example, but your dharma talk was very vast and beautiful. I bow to it. And I just want to, give a tribute to what you said, from the only way I know, from my own culture, from Iran's Hafez, which said, uh, about this topic, which, he said, uh, Hafez, forgive the warring between the 72 nations, because they did not see the truth, they took the path of myth. So there is a place, so anyway, I won't comment on that anymore, but I just want to thank you again.
1: Um,
6: I, thanks Ben for your talk and um, I always enjoy your presence when I've been at Jacoji. Um, I guess your story kind of maybe set off a memory that I had a long time ago. I think I was probably in my mid-20s somewhere on an Amtrak train and I'd been sitting for a couple of years and uh, I think I, was, I can't remember where I was traveling to, but I think a memory of I was coming back from, from a shashin, maybe down in L.A. or something like that. And I was on the train and there was this young Zen monk all dressed up, you know, to the teeth with those robes and stuff. And somehow I started talking to him and I think he really picked up on my American enthusiasm for zen and what was going to do for me <laughs> and uh the question he had for me is well why don't you get what you're looking for from you, the religion you grew up with <laughs> and that was it you know but it's a it's a it's a, it's uh and it was a good question and uh you know it's kind of like what am i after what am i but it's a story that um has stayed with me over the years and, uh, you know, stand, you know, there in this Amtrak train traveling somewhere and, uh, this, uh, yeah. And I knew nothing about his, I, am sure he was a Zen monk. He had one, of, he had a rock suit on and all that kind of stuff. So I don't know, but it, it uh, um, yeah, it just made me think about religions and what, what do they do? And, and they do a lot of different things. And even Christianity, I've known Christians that have pursued that religion much different than the one I grew up with. So things are much bigger than you know than or are usually are little pictures of different religion. And I think this country. And the mainstream has a real narrow vision of Islam right now, and hopefully that gets bigger and uh, and uh, other religions too, so yeah so thanks
2: Thank you: Yeah, the more I look at religions, maybe I have an imperfect under- in fact i'm sure I have an imperfect understanding of all religions. <laughs> But the more I look at them the more I go like wait this is exactly the same as this other one here. What's going on? Why why what where's the beef? <laughs> why are we uh, getting so upset at each other? And so it I tried to step back and look and see alright it's not the religions, it's the religions. Like, it's not the uh, institutions per se, like the 12 major religions. It's every best individual uh, religion and just like what we see as an individual, how we interpret the religion so for that like man on the train the monk on the train, like you are practicing the religion that you grew up with. You're just <laughs> tweaking <laughs> You're <It was>.
0: Yeah.
4: Can, can I, can, um
7: can I ask a question? It looks like Susan Tovall. Oh, okay, next. sorry. Susan. Go ahead, Susan. Thank you so much for opening up this topic with such caring and understanding of the breadth of it. It evoked a number of Uh, thoughts for me about culture and human need so when you were telling the stories i felt they were enrobed in the culture of the time and then we expand them to our universal understandings I think each each culture and each era—that's really what I was seeing—with you know the samurai era, the male warrior class. It starts with the human longing for unification and connection. Then it gets codified into these religious institutions then it can be very dangerous because uh, power and greed and so forth, you know, those things start to come into play. But uh, each religion, I think, is, is answering our need for the three treasures and our need to be uh, guiding each other. So um, just in a brief personal Look, I I, uh, I caught the ZCLA precepts um, a couple of days ago. I spent some time with that, and I realized how close we are to uh, the Jewish high holidays, in which we take ten days to really dig on through that. And and it is the precepts, and it is the Ten Commandments, and so forth. So. Each of those codifications gives us the opportunity for that empowering individual insight. So we're not dependent on the religious doctrines as much. We are really needing to step forward into our own understandings. And that's, I think, what you provided us today, so. I appreciate that we're in a culture at this time. It appears that we can open up a whole bunch of old packages and look at them without racism, without some of the issues that have have plagued our planet and hopefully we are on the brink of some new understandings. Thank you Ben.
2: Thank you. And I will so remember that word, codification, because <laughs> I love words.
0: Uh, Tyson has a question from here.
4: I hope you can hear me, Ben. Thank you so much. Wonderful talk. And I really appreciate your courage in tackling this question because often I'm somewhat perplexed at doing joint uh, religious ceremonies considering that in our, you know, in Buddhism we have uh, you know amapman, the idea of not having a permanent soul, a permanent entity or anything that continues on is very different. And I was reading a book recently uh, called The Saving Paradise. And it was a book about how in uh, in early Christianity, the focus was on the love aspect of uh, Christ- Christianity, on treating each other as you would have others treat treat you, kind of the golden rule. And only later, historically, did, did the cross become a symbol. And it became about um, you know, a very, very different uh, emphasis and paradigm on, uh, on obeying laws and on enforcing laws. And so, I'm wondering if perhaps this is another one of those cases where we look at things in in an absolute sense, all religions are similar, but in a relative sense, there's great differences that can have very great um, kinds of results especially as Susan said, when religion becomes entwined with uh, government. I've seen that myself in countries where if you um, question something that the government is doing, if the government and the religions are the same, it's very easy for them to then consider it to be a religious attack and of course, a whole nother becomes less about policy and more about obeying. And uh, so I just wanna say again, thank you very much for bringing this up and, and having the uh, courage to uh, let us talk about it.
2: Yeah, I really think uh, what Cave said earlier about um, how no religion is uh, immune from um, hatred and warfare towards other religions. Like, there were the famous uh, Christian crusades, and now, of course, there's um, like Buddhism versus Islam, and it's the the East is not being super understanding of all the other people. And that's, I guess, I feel that that relates to when we become too, when we hold too tightly to those views. And I think like a lot of religions, Say like hold hold them loosely, but especially in Buddhism, it it says or it, there's an emphasis on holding things loosely, and uh, yeah, I think that we just tend to like when we're falling. Maybe maybe this is a perfect example. when we're falling, we cling on very tightly to the ledge, but maybe we just need to release the ledge a little bit and just let it let the ledge like give us friction and not so much like the friction of clinging but... Just the friction it is wants to give us.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, Ben, I liked something that you said about um, hundred thousand million. And I liked the way you, you tied together the 100,000 million versions of truth to the 100,000 million um, delusions. And I think that's so exciting because when, when we think about it, we are all... Um, in delusion all the time and and it's such a wonderful thing to think of them as being um, different ways of trying to perceive um, the thusness of our lives and, um, and each one is a delusion and each one
2: That's the truth. I really, when I was writing this, the talk, I really wanted to emphasize um, some Buddhist, uh, Buddhist sort of tendencies that I've observed, like I split into three sections with three different stories. And I tried to say, like, beings are numberless. Uh, I vowed to save them, or at least claim beings are numberless and uh, claiming, um, like, delusions are inexhaustible. And I'm glad you picked up on the 100,000 million because I was like, hundred thousand million culpas hmm that's also I mean it just seems like it's everywhere so um, I wanted to and when I said things like oh it's 7 billion factorial or factorial my dad was like no no you need to be careful about using words like f- factorial um, my father is a mathematician (laughs) and a linguist so anyway but yes thank you for observing that Kathy
8: I'm unmuted now. Thank you for your talk. The whole topic is uh, (laughs) infinite. many different ways to approach it. A couple of things come to mind from Suzuki Roshi's books, End Mind, Beginner's Mind, which is that he described our practice as uh, a religion before religion. And I think his primary point in that was to say that we welcome all religions and uh, that uh, what we do as a practice, you know, the sitting and the uh, sessions, sun services, and so on. But it is religion too, all the services and all the roles and rituals. So it's religion before religion, and we hope we're accommodating all the other religions fairly. And as far as what you know the. Differences between religions, I think, are more or less in uh, the behavior and the attitudes and the competition. And I'm not trying to preach, but uh, thinking that. The other thing that he said that might be useful in this context is that at some point, it's good to have a general housekeeping of your mind where you take everything out one by one, look at it and decide uh, whether you want to take it back where you want to put it and so on. I think that relates to beliefs and attitudes and avocations. Uh, so I, those are the primary things that come from his particular book. The other thing that comes strongly to mind is the <laughs> really muddling in the waters, the differences in our country between the uh, Democrats and Republicans. You might say the Democrat and somewhat consideration of other people, and the Republicans, which are mostly competitive and uh, capitalist-oriented. That's those two that are clashing together, uh, in particular personalities, that may say something about all the possibilities for conflict and resolution and the dangers involved in all this. So I apologize for muddying the waters. If you can clarify them, please do.
2: I don't. I'll try, but I don't know um, if I can. Um, yeah, I mean, it seems to me like with the Democrats and Republicans, just to use that one, They can't one cannot exist without the other. In well I guess sort of you can, but like the Republicans so personally, just so you know where I'm coming from, I'm a Democrat. Or no I'm not. (laughs) I'm actually a green party. (laughs) Um (laughs) wait I'm not even sure of that. Libertarian, maybe? Anyway, um... <laughs> so, yeah, but, like, the Republicans, like, being individualistic, if you will, to uh, put a really broad stroke on it, um, it's, uh... To be individualistic you have to be like that exist in it? Ah, uh, what's that? Uh, a it sort of exists with others you need to have others there to be individualistic. So like you know I cannot be individualistic for all if if I don't have the rest of you with me because like, who's to say I'm not just being a normal person. I don't know, I guess I'm sort of sort of reaching (laughs) but uh, yeah Ben I love
1: when you say I can't be an individual without and I'm reading into this a contrast between me and everyone else and um, I think that's something else that came through in your talk, your Dharma talk of the, the idea that there are many points of view. And if we can just um, talk, not tolerate, but appreciate other points of view, I think it's a good thing.
4: Yeah. Be aware of them.
5: All right, copy. Uh, I just uh, very quickly I wanted to to comment religion before religion. Uh, just quickly say a story from Suzuki Roshi, his behavior that maybe exemplifies that teaching. Uh, one time he was uh, he was in San Francisco Zen Center. There was a service, you know, like we have a dharma talk. Uh, Son Nakagawa. Soen, I forget his last name, but the Rinzai Zen Master Soen Roshi was there in San Francisco Zen Center, and they both went to the altar, and Soen Roshi sees uh, this book on the altar, and he picks it up and throws it on the ground. He says, what is this? This is not Zen. What is this? This doesn't belong here. Suzuki Roshi bends down, picks up the book, and says, oh, no, 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 there's a misunderstanding here. This book was uh, given to us by a widow of a man who followed a different religion. We accept everything here. We eat everything here. Come and let's go have some tea. And he touched Swan on the back, and they went and had some tea. And the story goes that they were friends the rest of their lives together. I think Suzuki Groshi died before Soren. But anyway, I just wanted to mention that. But stuff like that, that makes me feel welcome in Zen. That makes everybody feel welcome in Zen.
2: I was just listening to a story the other night on where it was um, one famous teacher passing on to a student. He's like, here... I have this book. It's been passed on from generation to generation. And the student takes it and he throws it in the fire. And the master's like, oh, my God. Oh, my God, what are you doing? That's really sacred. And the (laughs) student's like, oh, my God, what are you saying? It's everything is sacred. Our our lives are sacred, so I just enjoyed that, like idea of. You know, what what we should cherish cannot be contained in a book. Um. And. A book should not be what we cherish, but we. I mean, we should respect them, but. You know, they're not the beginning event and end. I can recreate a book right now. <laughs> I'm typing. <laughs> <laughs> Does anybody have a couple million monkeys? Bruce. <laughs>
3: been, <laughs> yeah, a hundred thousand million monkeys might do it. <laughs> I, just your um, the conversation reminded me of you know I when I grew up I grew up Catholic and um, uh, went to parochial school for eight years, and uh, I know I'm dating myself, but back in those days they read everything in Latin. And so it was very mysterious and very kind of awe-inspiring. And, um, uh, and so I thought, well, these people must really know what they're talking about. But then they, cha- they translated it all into English. <laughs> and then I realized that this is just a bunch of gibberish, <laughs> you know, at least as far as I was concerned, maybe not to some people, but to me. it said This doesn't apply to my life. This doesn't hold any deep truths in my life. So then I went exploring... Uh, into many other things like uh, and some of them new age things and a lot of those uh, teachers uh, uh, had scandals surrounding them and uh, (laughs) it turns out that even though they taught love they were doing really kind of selfish and uh, uh, not so uh, wonderful things uh, behind the scenes so then I found Buddhism and then um, which kind of had you find your own truth, your own Buddha truth. Uh, And and in so doing, I realized, you know, if I'm going to be terribly honest that I'm kind of full of it too. (laughs) So so I guess we're all in that same boat. So uh, yeah, so what do you do, you know? Um, And my only answer is that I kind of have to go into a heart place about it. You know, if I really kind of focus on what's coming from my heart, then I kind of trust that more. But that doesn't mean it's foolproof. My truth isn't any better than anybody else's truth. And as somebody else said, I think it's important to listen to everybody's truth, not believe everybody's truth because we're all deluded. But it's important to give everybody a hearing and, and, and then follow your own heart.
1: Anyway,
2: thank you. Something you said, it was when they were speaking in Latin, it was awe inspiring. What I always think of whenever I hear that is awe.
1: (laughs)
0: Well, Ben, I, uh, I, want, I have one final comment here. Uh, you pointed out that uh, when we hold uh, onto, when we're attached, uh, we want to be able to let go, and there's some we want to deal with the friction of it. And I never thought of that before, that there might actually be friction between uh, what we're attached to and us. And uh, there are many, many different kinds of friction. I mean, mechanically, there are many, many, there are like 20 different kinds of friction. But it's, it's, you know, can, our, our, is our attachment sticky? Is it, is it uh, like Velcro when we have to release lease it, release uh, our notions that it uh, makes a lot of noise? Or anyway, it's just an interesting notion to have about um, that there is friction involved in our attachments. And maybe that's a point of contact. That, that's uh, when you have friction as a point of contact between yeah. us and uh, our, our, our attachments. So, so maybe that's a place to examine. I, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. So thank you. Is there one last question from anyone? Well, okay. Um, So we'll just make some announcements right now. Uh, We just finished a a nice calligraphy workshop. Um, We had uh, a, a few participants here that we were able to accommodate with social distancing and face masks. So that's probably why you see a few more people here in the Zendo. And then we had several. We had, I think, seven or eight Zoom participants too, and uh, it, it was really delightful. Juro led us in this uh, really nice uh, workshop where we learned to write form is emptiness and emptiness is form. So when we hold it again, we do it once or twice a year. I hope you'll uh, you can join us either here or on Zoom. We also have coming up um the away sashin beginning the 28th of this month a monday um i think the next day or two is a, a a full moon so we'll do the full moon ceremony as well as part of our sashin and we're including uh the cleveland uh, Crooked River Sangha is going to join us, and Oan Sangha from Central Pennsylvania with Mato Anderson will join us too. So uh, if you're able to join us for any or all of it, please do via Zoom. And uh, we are going to Zoom it, so um, thank you. Um, Jacoji offers our programs Freely and we hope that uh, and we appreciate uh, the help we get in so many different ways from all of you in uh, financially, in your participation, in uh, the uh, continuity of your practice with us. All those things are so important for our continuing. So please keep doing that. And um, I think that's all we have at the moment. So, um, let's do the closing gatha. May our intentions equally extend to every being and place with the true merit of Buddha's way. Beings are numberless. I vow to save them. Delusions are inexhaustible. I vow to end them. Dharma gates are boundless. I vow to enter them. The Buddha's way is unsurpassable.
1: I vow to become it.
0: Thank you for listening to this podcast offered by Jokoji Zen Center. Our Dharma talks are offered free of charge, and this is made possible by the donations we receive Your support helps us to continue to offer the Dharma.
1: For more information about Jokoji, please visit us on the web at jokoji.org.